0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Sunday, February the 11th, 2024. It's Super Bowl Day in the United States, uh, California and San Francisco. That's all anyone's thinking about. But the Headlines today are um, unsurprisingly depressing or depressing in the way they've been for the last few months. Dominated again by one kind of war or another, particularly in the Middle East, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has pledged safe passage uh, from a place called Rafah in the Gaza Strip for civilians. It's hard to know whether to believe him or not. Um, The New York Times writes about the recurring nightmare of displacement for Palestinians in places like RAFA. Uh, Joe Biden has apparently, at least according to the Guardian newspaper, warned Netanyahu against a RAFA operation without, quote-unquote, a credible safety plan. One wonders whether or not Netanyahu listens to Biden. One man who has been following this crisis since the beginning is my old friend Jason Pack. He's the Anglo-American co-host of Disorder, the podcast that orders the disorder of our uh, 21st century world. He has a particular interest and expertise on the Middle East. He's been on the show a couple of times before, early in uh, October, in which he was perhaps a little, let's less pessimistic and apocalyptic than everyone else. So I thought we would get Jason back on the show to make sense of the situation, uh, uh, Jason, uh, on um, February the 11th, 2024. Is history simply repeating itself with these various human tragedies in towns like Rafa?
1: Yes, the question of Palestinians being displaced Has an eerie deja vu aspect about it, but there's something sui generis about the tragedy of October 7th and the atrocities committed then, and the predictable inevitability of the human crisis we're seeing now. I was more optimistic in the beginning, thinking that Netanyahu could be seen to make strategic actions and. The Americans would work with our Gulf allies to present solutions. That has not really come to play because, as a neo-populist, Netanyahu is so interested merely in staying in power and appeasing the settler allies that keep him in the, you know, in power, that he has rejected all the overtures to uh, even get the hostages back in full, but certainly to conclude the conflict.
0: It's interesting, Jason, that you connect being a populist with wanting to stay in power. Was that a slip or do you mean it? Is a populist defined by their uh, obsession with maintaining power uh, uh, it, 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 and, 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 and how they do it is, is neither here nor there in moral or practical terms?
1: It was not a slip. Um, I think that neo-populists, and that's a term that I've created to understand this disordered world that we live in that I examine on my podcast, neopopulists are defined by the fact that they do not propose real solutions. Trump doesn't want to build a wall at the border. He never has. And we've, of course, seen in the last couple of weeks that he instructed Republicans to block a comprehensive border package because he wants a crisis that he can run on. And then when he's in office, he still won't fix the crisis. I understood that Netanyahu was a neopopulist in some ways, but I thought maybe... Given the nature of this existential crisis, he would have to make decisions that were in Israel's best interest, not, you know, concerned only with appeasing his settler allies and trying to get his constitutional reform going. But yes, the very neo populism, or by its very nature, neo populism means that the practitioner isn't interested in solving problems, but in in pandering to the populace so as to stay in power. So that's part of the same thing.
0: It's interesting that you choose the the phrase or you coin the phrase neo-populist, and the way you define it, it actually suggests
1: fake populism. Correct. And I, I can go back to uh, a mentor of mine, Sean Willens of Princeton, who I have also had on my podcast. He says there are three or four different kinds of populism, you know, the kind of real agrarian populism, Williams, Jennings, Bryant kind of populism. And Sanders today might be an example of that. Then there's like elite faux populism and these are like the southern planter aristocracy saying that they're going to do things for the people but the system just favors the wealthy elites and then there's neo populism like Trump and Brexit and to a greater extent than I thought possible even Netanyahu which is about these fake solutions and grifting and um you know playing to the culture wars and divide and all of that
0: So let's go back to Biden and Netanyahu, two very different kinds of men. Uh, Biden, as I said uh, today, apparently warned Netanyahu against this particular operation without a credible safety plan. Do you think when Netanyahu hears that Biden's on the phone, he laughs? Is there anything that (laughs) Biden can do to encourage or force No to even listen to him,
1: let alone do what he says. Uh, I completely see it the way you do. I am astounded when you run into these anti-Americans who say Biden is responsible for the deaths of all these Palestinians. And I say, no, Biden has been telling Netanyahu, please don't randomly bomb civilian installations since the beginning of the war. And Netanyahu has just ignored him. Um, Unfortunately, When it comes to dealing with a nuclear armed democracy that's your ally, there's very little that you can do. I mean, the example I give for Brits is Obama told Cameron that having the referendum would be a bad idea. Then once the Leave vote already happened, Obama said, hey, we're not going to back you up over this Northern Ireland stuff if you make a mess of it. What could they do? Britain is a nuclear armed democracy. I mean, America just has so little leverage in in this instance And in the case with Israel, it's probably worse because the Israelis are always going to have, I don't know, 10% of the American Jewish community who's in the hard Likud camp and therefore undermines the American position. They're willing to side with Netanyahu against the American position. And that's, yeah, it's really difficult to have any leverage there.
0: I'm not sure I... I, I, I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure it's for me to say I disagree with you. I'm not sure I understand because Israel is a client state of the United States. Israel's entirely dependent on US arms for its survival. So why can't Biden be tougher? No, can't so the last part is not. Them no. without, with saying, well, unless you do what we say, which is a traditional way of powers managing their clients, we're not going to supply you with weapons.
1: Israel is not entirely dependent on the United States for its survival and certainly not for its weapons. Yes, they like having extra artillery shells and they have adopted a very um, materiel intensive approach with things that are akin to carpet bombing and AR targeting in Gaza. They didn't need to do it that way. They could have done the Gaza campaign using far less artillery shells and many less tonnage of bombs. And they do not need American bombs. They're quite different than Ukraine. They can pursue the war indefinitely if we would never give them another shell. They not only have some of the best uh, arms industries in the world, but they have others that they could purchase arms from. So it's it's a very, very different relationship than with Ukraine, which is entirely the client of the West. They don't have a domestic arms industry and they're not a nuclear armed state. So uh, I think that the Israelis have lots of levers. The problem when it comes to Netanyahu, I mean, there are many of them, in addition to his morality, But the real problem when it comes to us pushing him around is he doesn't care about international opprobrium. Whatever you had to say about Begin or Shamir or Sharon, and I I don't think these are warm and cuddly characters. And they made a lot of mistakes and did a lot of humanitarian damage. But they cared if the leader of the free world said, what you've done is not right, and they got bad New York Times headlines. Netanyahu and it's a different world now simply does not care if Biden is chastising him and he doesn't care about getting bad New York Times headlines that means that he cannot be pushed through standard means
0: what about uh, Jason you, you're an expert here and i'm certainly not what about the, the missile defense systems how dependent is israel on the us for those
1: it's funny that you ask that obviously they do use our patriot missile defense systems
0: Which are essential.
1: If they didn't have those, then... No, no, you didn't let me finish. We mostly use their Iron Dome systems. The Israeli missile defense systems are superior to American defense systems. When the Ukraine war started, we tried to leverage Israel to give Zelensky Iron Dome systems, and the Israelis didn't do it because they still maintain their relationship with Russia, given the million Israelis and many uh, Russian oligarchs who have Israeli citizenship. So... Missile defense is exactly the proof of my argument, which is that it's a domain where Israel is more advanced than America. Joe Biden uh,
0: has had, put it politely, uh, mildly a bad week, <laughs> lots of fronts. Has he had a bad six months on this current crisis in the Middle East? How has Biden performed, Jason? You're suggesting that there's not much he can do.
1: Yes, I believe he has done extremely poorly in the media dimension, but in the reality dimension of what policies he's chosen, he's done well. And it's the same as with Ukraine. It's the same with inflation and the economy. If the Biden presidency in terms of its actual decisions was to be ranked, it should get an A minus to an A and on communications somewhere between an F and a C minus. The fact is that people believe that Biden could have, you know, stopped Netanyahu from doing X and Y and Z in Gaza, and that somehow America could have gotten, you know, our Sunni Gulf allies to do differently than they've done. I do think that he and Blinken should have pushed for a cuttery led solution in post war Gaza and not focused exclusively on the short term hostage deals. But it didn't really matter because Netanyahu wasn't even going to accept some of the wins that they achieved unless they could play into his narrative. So so Biden has been essentially quasse because if your allies won't march in step with you and then your enemies are opposing you, there's very very little that you could do. He could have named and shamed not only Netanyahu but uh Hamas and those, you know, protesters and others who essentially give them cover in the international media, but he He lacks the ability to do that kind of sophisticated narrative battle. Oh, and I want to point out also, we've done a really good job with the Houthis. Yes, of course, you can't prevent, you can't protect Red Sea shipping merely by bombing a few installations in Yemen. Yemen has been bombed since 2014 by the Saudis and the Emiratis. There are barely any soft targets to hit. But we have done a good job showing American resolve that America, as the global hegemon, needs to protect shipping. And hence that we did something and we we got a coalition. We've worked not only with the Brits, but keep in mind, even the Bahrainis, who are a Sunni Arab ally of ours, have launched sorties in defense of Red Sea shipping. So, again, he's done exactly everything that he needs to do. He just has communicated it really, really poorly. And what about Blinken? In the
0: old days, there were superstar uh, secretaries of state. Of course, Henry Kissinger comes to mind. What is the uh, what is the grade on, on Blinken, or, or does he even get graded? He seems such an anonymous fellow.
1: Yeah, he's a bit of an automaton. I mean, I do rate his intellect, and he is in the line of Kissingerian statesmen by training and background. Unfortunately, something about the enduring disorder leads to uh, lack of coordination and the inability to seize the reins of leadership. And he's just fallen into the art of the possible rather than making what seems impossible possible. And that's what a great Secretary of State could and should do. And I I think that the man has probably been getting three hours of sleep over the last five months. And he is doing really what he feels is the best for both sides, but he just is not willing to push out of the box and take risks. It's interesting, uh,
0: at least according to Jason Pack, the co-host of the Disorder Podcast, a man who's given a lot of thought to our current international disorder that it seems to produce men like Joe Biden and Tony Blinken, rather anonymous characters who are very bad at presenting or promoting their message. Um, let's may I postulate I, why that is? Well, yeah. Before we we give the message for our. Support supporter liberties. What? Why is that, Jason?
1: I have a theory that I'm just evolving, and I've never articulated this. Because of the virality algorithm, which pushes social media content to be the maximally extreme to get more eyeballs, and music videos like Gagnum Style to be more ridiculous to get eyeballs, it causes institutionalists to have to be as safe and centrist and the exact opposite. So they're really terrified about being like, oh, I propose a cuttery led post-war governance of Gaza because it might sound a little bit crazy and people are going to make fun of it. And then there's going to be a viral algorithm making fun of Blinken and that he slipped and whatever. So it's really difficult to lead. And when I interviewed Jonathan Powell, Tony Blair's chief of staff on my disorder program, he said, Jason, we never could have gotten the Northern Ireland agreement, the Good Friday agreement over the line if there was social media because the things that I had to agree with Martin McGuinness and Jerry Adams were not popular. And if they had been mocked in social media in real time, I would have been ridiculed and I would have had to have been so safe. And, And I understand that there's a dimension, the more ridiculous the Trumpians are and the people who make fun of whatever, even on the left, you know what I mean? The woke brigade as well. It makes mature leadership have to be so scared of being attacked and ridiculed. It's really difficult to do leadership in the Churchillian or even Blair style. Therefore, there's no, we don't,
0: we talk about Churchillian or Blair, we don't talk about Blinkian unless we're mocking Tony Blinken or or Joe Biden. We're speaking with Jason Pack and I'll remind everyone that such high-quality guests as Jason, um, in p- talking about important subjects like the current war in the Middle East, is brought to you by Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. Excellent publication, a must-read in my view, especially the latest edition. Um, I'm going to run a short feature on Liberties, and then we'll be back with Jason to talk about the possibilities for peace in the Middle East. So don't go away, anyone. We'll be back in a second. News. The-
1: noise there is nuance insight liberties is not a
0: tunnel of ideas it's a meteor of intelligent citizens politics opinion substance liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought a quarterly of urgency of cultural exploration of intellectual delight of immaculate prose it's invaluable subscribe now or find liberties at your favorite bookseller we are speaking with jason pack uh the co-host of the excellent disorder podcast one of my uh must listens uh jason we talked in the first half of the show about what might bring netanyahu to the table you suggested nothing would what about the news in the last couple of days that uh Moodies have downgraded the israeli economy could that sort of thing bring him to the table if if, if the israeli innovation economy is undermined
1: no netanyahu does deserve credit for curbing previous rounds of inflation in israel and for promoting the silicon wadi and all of that but now he's an older statesman who just doesn't care about the state of the country or uh what's good for it in the long term uh I wish it was otherwise, but i I don't see I don't see him as coming to the table. Rather, it's what can we as America and as allies of in Israel at peace with a Palestinian state do to help the Israeli population get rid of Netanyahu? And there are three or four mechanisms through which that might be achieved.
0: When you were on the show, uh, Jason. Back in October, you were bullish about the possibility of a Qatari led peace deal. The last few days, the Palestinian president Mahmoud Abbas has been in Qatar. What is happening in the Arab world, in Qatar, in Saudi, in the Gulf states, obviously uh, Egypt and Jordan, in terms of this current crisis?
1: Well, we've seen a lot more maturity and statesmanship in response to this crisis than we did in response to, say, The 1982 Israeli invasion of Lebanon or even more proximal issues like um, the Israeli Hezbollah war in 2006. The Arab middle powers have come into their own as global players and have learned the maturity that's required. So the Qataris, Egyptians, Turks and Saudis have behaved like genuine mature middle power statesmen. I wasn't exactly bullish back in October. I just want to make a slight correction there, Andrew. I was saying that it could be as bad as it gets. This is an opportunity to find solutions. And of course, we see that the Saudis are still willing to do a tripartite Israel-Saudi-American deal if the Israelis concede a Palestinian state and take steps to make it a reality. But that's not going to happen under Netanyahu. And the cutters can not only deliver the rest of the hostages that are alive, but they can foot the bill to create you know, Palestinian schools and hospitals for the ones that have been blown up, but only if the Israelis commit to X and Y and Z, and they're not going to under Netanyahu. So for those of us who are talking about what it takes to get to peace, right now it, it's a question of how do we use Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid and the Israeli Supreme Court to get Netanyahu out of power, which more than 80% of polled Israelis say they want.
0: Jason, it seems at least in in February 2024 that Joe Biden won't win the next election, may not even be in it, at least according to Nikki Haley. Um, Is it conceivable that Trump, for example, could bring Netanyahu to the negotiating table?
1: Oh, God. I mean, with Trump, anything is conceivable. It's conceivable that he could get Kim Jong-un to give up his nuke. It's not likely. It's true that some crazy out of the box action or thinking might happen more under Trump than Biden. I I think Biden is still likely to win the election. I prefer that he doesn't run. I hope at the convention we can replace him with whom, you know, Allahu Alam. But uh, I don't think it's fair to say that he won't win. And it's unfortunate that he's so steady as it goes, not only in deciding to run again, but you know, saying that he would choose Nikki Haley, saying that he's going to do everything the same. He's just so terrified of rocking the boat that he shows a lack of leadership. And, you know, people are accusing Starmer of this as well, for example, with the backing off on the 28 uh, billion pound Green New Deal plan that they have over there, that he's so worried about being steady as it goes and not offending people that he doesn't show leadership.
0: But back to, I I don't want to make this a conversation about Trump, but back to Trump. Um, Does he have any incentive if he's elected next time around to actually force or try to force Netanyahu to compromise?
1: Absolutely not. Um, Netanyahu and Trump are allies. They have a club and they include also Orban and maybe Geert Wilders or Maloney or... Bolsonaro, if he comes back, and certainly now Javier Millet in Argentina, they and will. Putin, Are they, is he part of the club? Putin is a uh, an outside supporter of this club. Yes, but they will it, it, they will do actions that help each other stay in power and create a disordered and disordering world in which it's easier for them and their allies to stay in power. So, um, no, he's not going to push Netanyahu, but he could propose things, and Jared can as well that appear to be Middle East peace plans, but actually just serve Netanyahu's interest of never conceding a Palestinian state. May I toss out a plug for liberties as well? Thank you Absolutely. for sending me. Thank you for sending me that um fall edition. Andrew, I recently read the Anita Shapira essay, Statehood and the Jews. And for anyone who doesn't follow the development and growth of the messianic settler movement from um the Gush Emunim in the late 1960s, all the way, you know, with Rav Cook to Mayor Kahane, and and where we are now with Ben Gavir and other settler nutcases in the cabinet, that might have been the best short essay I've ever seen, you know, ever read about that phenomenon. And it was written before the October 7th war, but it gives you the context which we need to understand where we're at in terms of why Netanyahu can't do peace. Netanyahu is in bed with a lobby which is essentially a Jewish supremacist messianic cult. And th- they cannot have a Palestinian state because they claim the whole land and they want to settle it and believe in a magical thinking that somehow the Palestinians will disappear as a people or will submit to Israeli rule throughout the entire West Bank. So you, you can't have peace until you have a non-messianic, non-nutcase you know, religious Zionist leader in power.
0: You seem resigned to these nutcases, whether it's Netanyahu, your neo-populist who will do anything to stay in power, or these lunatic settlers. At what point, Jason, can or could this end in catastrophe?
1: Oh, we can end in catastrophe, but I'm not resigned to them. I'm going to say something that may sound naive. I have a lot of faith in the Israeli body politic. Yes, they support the war, and yes, they don't care... Tremendously about some of the human rights abuses against Palestinians that are being done now. And that's a shame. But I think that it's more world... than
0: a shame. I think we could use other words. Couldn't...
1: I think the Israeli public, though, will wake up when their trauma is over and realize that they wish they had done it differently. You no, know, I'm making this point uh, clear. They want Netanyahu out. I think that there's a huge amount of regret uh, in the center right in Israel over the alliance with the settler movement. And they're going to do a course correction. They're going to do a course correction faster than we are in the States, where there isn't Trump remorse yet. I think that in Britain, there is getting to be buyers' remorse with Brexit. And the British public, I have more faith in than the American one as well, that they're again going to evolve. But um, yeah, let's not count the Israelis out. It's just a question of getting the totemic, neo populist, um, messianic Godhead figures off the stage so that more mature discussions can be had. I hope you're right. And what about on the Palestinian side?
0: I mentioned that uh, Abbas, who's the sort of the, shall we say, the Joe Biden, I guess, of the Palestinians, uh, is in Qatar for talks. I'm not sure what he has or will ever achieve in his life. Um, Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Hamas uh, Hamas military compound was found beneath a UN agency. Is Has is this tragedy changed anything on the part of the, the Palestinian, shall we say, peoples of either the Gaza Strip or of the
1: West Bank? You know, the Palestinian peoples and their narrative and institutions are poorly covered and poorly understood. So although I read Arabic, um, I cannot profess to say that I understand the internal political dynamics within the west bank of gaza because i'm not living there and there's not enough reporting i do want to say that there is an opportunity potentially with outside sunni arab support i don't want a neo-colonial western intervention at this point but with outside sunni arab support to transition the palestinian authority into a new model um if you remember when salam fayad was prime minister First in two thousand, I think nine, and they, you know, he was trying to deal with what W. Bush had said: the Palestinians needed to get their finances in control; they needed to show that they could do statehood. Um, he was taking some steps in the right direction, and then there was the civil war with Hamas. And I might have gotten the date wrong there, so I, I apologize again, showing how difficult it is to understand internal Palestinian politics. So there is an opportunity for a synthesis between Fatah, which is the PLO. And outside patrons who hold the purse strings to create an institution which is more accountable to the Palestinian people, which, uh, you know, disperses the public funds better and all of that. It hasn't happened, but I think it could happen.
0: Yeah, I have to admit, I, I'm not convinced by that. And what about Hamas itself? Um, they seem to be a, a political organization or a political military organization whose Ideology, if that's the the right word, is rooted in disorder. Are they your exhibit A when it comes to the disorder of the contemporary world, uh, Jason? I mean, how do they compare with Al Qaeda or ISIS?
1: Well, um, they have more institutions because they've been involved in a governance role over a territory since 2006, right? Um, You're right that they are a great exhibit for what I call the disorder because I assert that disordering actors are happy to work with other disordering actors rather than to have actual policies. And Netanyahu really promoted Hamas, you know, and he gave them extra work visas to come into Israel and he helped them get, you know, their financial transfers from Qatar as well as the Israeli uh, taxpayer in ways that were helpful to Hamas. And that was a huge mistake that I hope history judges him very, very harshly for. Um, In a disordered world, these sub-state actors don't need to face a threat from an international consensus that they're beyond the pale and can't govern. So they're quite happy for Trump to come into power and the European Union to break apart. That's a good world for Hamas. Is there or was there a symbiosis then between Netanyahu and Hamas? Were they? 100%. I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert on this question, but it's been extensively written about that he was so afraid that if the you know there was a moderate Palestinian leadership, he would have to concede, you know, concede territory and, and do peace. That's why from Vi River, when he was prime minister the first time in nineteen ninety-seven, after the Rabin assassination and his victory over Perez, it was Hamas who put him in power. It was those bus bombings uh two weeks before the election in, in, in Haifa that allowed him to win. And then he promoted Hamas over the PLO so that they would say, you know what they say in, in Hebrew, we have no partner. Ein mi le debar, ein al mi le we have no one to speak to. Ein mishutaf, there's no partner, blah, blah, blah. And he's loved a situation where there's no one to speak to, um, which creates the fauda, the chaos in which the Israeli security state uh, thrives because it's it's never going to create a solution.
0: Finally, uh, Jason, I'm not sure you've cheered me up, our audience, or even yourselves up. When it, what about when it comes to the Palestinian people? You you said earlier that you have faith in Israelis to come to terms with their situation and say no eventually to Netanyahu. A lot of people have talked about the possibility of the Palestinians, especially of, the, of Gaza, of doing the same thing with Hamas, given this catastrophe that... They've experienced is clearly a direct consequence of, of of Hamas's military actions, if if those are the right words. In October. I would,
1: I would like to have faith in the Palestinian people, Andrew, but they have a deficiency of agency, and because of this lack of agency, they can't express their will either in voting out Hamas or in choosing a new leader for the PLO. So it's very challenging. I I, I would like to think that the Sunni Gulf nations, most specifically Qatar, the UAE and Saudi working with the Egyptians can help channel Palestinian will to get a better Palestinian leadership in place. That's only going to happen if we all rally around a unique strategy to confront Iranian proxy actors from the Houthis to Hezbollah in Iraq to um, the real Hezbollah in Southern Lebanon there isn't yet a view of how the American alliance and the Sunni Arab alliance can work together against Iran. And we need to get there. And maybe Blinken does deserve to get a C-minus because he hasn't proposed it. You know, he've just said, Biden said, we're going to respond at a time of our choosing to the killing of the three American servicemen in northeastern Jordan. And what I would like him to do is say, you know what, I'm hosting a conference with all of our Gulf allies, and we're going to get a joint plan where we work together to create a better regional order. And he hasn't really done that. Finally,
0: Jason, uh, it's about half an hour. we're talking on the 11th of uh, February 2023. It's 3 p.m. on on Pacific Time, half an hour to the Super Bowl. A couple of quick questions. I know you're a hardcore supporter of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Um, Who do you want to win and who will win the Super Bowl? Well, I'm lackluster about both of these teams. I would have loved if it was an interesting one like the Lions or Josh Allen's Bills. Um, I would never bet against Mahomes. It's crazy that he's been an underdog both against the Bills and uh, crazily against the Ravens, and he's won. Mahomes is like the new Brady in his ability to deliver under pressure. I will make the following prediction. If Travis Kelsey is left unguarded and is only single covered, well, then you know, the chiefs, they're going to run away with it. But like always, whoever establishes the running game, um, I will make another prediction. If McCaffrey is contained, the Niners can't win. And if Pacheco is contained, the chiefs can't win. I, I I'm just not looking forward to it because we're dealing with two teams that have been between them five times in the super bowl and seven times in the super bowl. I would much rather see someone like the bills who might get their first time to win or the lions who've never been in the super bowl. So, um, I have to just say, as a super, super fan, my heart isn't in it, and I couldn't care less about Taylor Swift.
0: Always the idealist, Jason. What's the chances of uh, Taylor Swift running for president and beating both Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Zero.